The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by a guest speaker. The statements, views, and opinions presented in this message are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online at wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. That's online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Well, uh, it is a pleasure to be here. I'm glad I was able to finally make it, ran into some traffic uh, on the 5, right at the 78 there, there was an accident, so we were just at a, at a standstill, not much you can do, so I appreciate your grace with me as we, we showed up late uh, this morning. Did you read the Titus passage? No, okay, that's okay. So um, I wanted to kind of just share some meditations on Titus chapter 3, uh, verses 3 through Eight. It's kind of a common passage used uh, for uh, confession of sin and uh, different liturgies. So if you want to turn there, you can kind of follow along. For time's sake, I, I won't read it um, and just kind of get into meditations on it. Uh, it's a wonderful passage in that right at the beginning, you have a description of, of us. And then the passage continues giving a description of what God has done in light of who we are. And I really just wanted to... Um, focus my reflections on this idea of, of grace. Um, you know, one of the endearing teachings that I remember receiving here at Westminster, California, is uh, Meredith Klein's definition of grace, right? I remember learning how, uh, when understood in light of God's covenant with man, it's best to understand grace not merely as God's unmerited favor, but God's favor given despite our demerit. It's Meredith Klein who said, Divine grace directs itself not merely to the absence of merit, but to the presence of demerit. Um, And that has still stuck with me to this day, for it really highlights just how amazing and how good God's grace is. And I believe a clear place where you can see Meredith Klein's teaching in Scripture is right here in Titus 3. Uh, Look at the first verse of our passage, verse 3. It says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. And it's precisely in that state of existence that God's grace comes and finds us and finds you, brothers and sisters. The Greek word translated grace, charis, means gift. It's defined in one Greek dictionary as a gift freely given, or freely given favor. One other dictionary defines it as a favorable attitude towards someone. And God's word tells us here in Titus that God comes to us in that way. He gives to us a gift and shows us his favor, even though we do not live up to his standards, and even though we do not meet his expectations that he wishes for us. Right? We are not subjects for whom anyone, let alone God, should die for. God didn't send Jesus because we kind of deserved it. Titus 3, verse 3, teaches us that we're foolish, we're disobedient, hating one another, and thus deserving God's condemnation upon us. But what's so remarkable about this passage, then, is it doesn't end that way. It describes who we are, 
But then as the passage goes along, it says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Brothers and sisters, salvation is a, is a gift of God's sheer grace. It's all gift. It's all about God's favor towards those that he has favor upon. Sinners like you and I, who by nature hate one another. As we learn in scripture, you know, God looks down from the heavens. He sees that all have sinned. All have fallen short of his glory. And yet God's response to that is to send Jesus. To give a gift. That's how he responds to his enemies, his rebels, those who have walked away from him and said no thanks to him. He responds with with gift. Which is why, brothers and sisters, as those who are going to be future leaders in Christ's church, I want to exhort you to drink deeply of this grace yourself. And pour it out then in your own ministries, whatever they may be, whatever your callings might be in the future, don't forget it is all of grace that we are saved. The people that come into the doors of the church need to hear about this kind of grace, this kind of free, gratuitous grace. And more than just hear about it, they need to see people who have experienced it and who live by it day by day. It's unfortunate that folks can walk into churches nowadays and kind of be scared. They, they kind of think maybe they don't meet the church's expectations or, or standards, and people can have these notions in their mind that they're kind of being watched by Christians and, and condemned because of how they dress or their schooling choice for their children or just different various things of that nature. But that's not grace. You see, grace creates a beautiful mess in the church in one sense. Just ask the Corinthian church about that. God's grace was being proclaimed and lived and preached by the Apostle Paul in Corinth, and it was attracting people who were sinful people into the doors. And Paul's remedy wasn't to kind of beat them into submission or something like that. His remedy wasn't to hand out uh, doctrinal statements to everybody and have them check off a list. Uh, His remedy was to remind them of God's grace, about what God had given to them as sinners, and then what God desired from them as redeemed sinners. Paul preached grace, exhorted grace, called the sinners who believed in Jesus saints, right at the beginning of the letter of Corinth, told them amazing or told them how amazing God is and how amazing his grace is. And brothers and sisters, you need to know that your local church's great hope is Christ and not you. It's the grace of God and not you. And that's what you need to focus on in, in the pulpit ministry or if you're in different kinds of ministries. Remember the grace of God in Christ. And in, in order to really... I think focus on grace. As I said earlier, you need to be a recipient of God's grace yourself. 
You'll be tempted to walk around each week, perhaps as a future pastor, with guilt and shame that you didn't preach as well as you wanted to. You'll be tempted to walk around and have guilt and shame that you didn't visit as many congregants as you think you should. Didn't spend enough time with your family. You might feel bad you don't meet the expectations of some of your congregants. You need to have grace with yourself. You need to know that God is gracious and kind, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and mercy. You need to remember that your sufficiency comes from God and that your congregation has the indwelling Holy Spirit and that Jesus is the chief shepherd. That's why it's so important to avail ourselves personally of God's grace so that we can be ministers of it. And it's also important uh, just to reflect a little bit deeper. It's important that we avail ourselves to the means of grace, as we say in our Reformed churches, right? God has given us means of grace. Specifically, it's what's so amazing about the Lord's Supper. At the Lord's Supper, as I like to tell my congregation in La Mirada, that's God's end game with us. And it's extraordinary to see that when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. That's his end game. We, we call it a foretaste of the kingdom. And indeed it is. At the Lord's Supper, we see that God's end game is a shared meal of bread and wine in his presence. Isn't that wonderful? When you ask the question, what does God want with me? Or what is God's will for my life? How often do you answer a shared meal of bread and wine in his presence? But that's what he wants, and that's where it's all headed at the end of the day. We call the Lord's Supper you know, a foretaste of the heavenly banquet uh, that we see revealed to us in the book of Revelation. That's what he wants. He wants for us to take and eat and know that he is good. It's good for churches to be saturated in God's means of grace. For friends, oftentimes you yourself or those in your congregation will be stressed out, full of anxiety, Believing that perhaps you've completely let God down or you're panicked and thinking that everything is falling apart in the church. And meanwhile, God's desire for you and for me is to come into his presence and to receive his grace. We can often feel so guilty that we could be doing more. We could be more active. We could volunteer for more things and have more ministries. But God in his grace comes to us and says, take and eat. God in his grace comes to us and says, my burden is easy. My yoke is light. God's grace is so good, it's so profound, and this needs to be the cornerstone of your life and your future vocations. Notice what Paul says in verse 8 of Titus 3, verses 3 through 8, and I'll close with this thought. Notice Paul says, after unpacking the grace of God in Christ, he says, the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Brothers and sisters, God's grace is to be insisted upon, Paul says. God's grace, the Bible says, is excellent and profitable for people. You'll be tempted to focus on other things 
in life and in your vocations. You'll be tempted to build your church's ministry perhaps on some other DNA, some secondary issue, some other kind of identity. But the Word of God tells us today, insist on grace. Insist on it. Salvation by grace is what is actually profitable for people. There's this old anecdote I'm sure some of you perhaps have heard about an unkempt uh, homeless guy who who walks into a traditional uh, church right in the middle of the service and he's entirely unkempt. He smells really bad and he's making these odd sounds as he walks into the church and he sits near the front row and he plops down there until the end of the service. And after the service, uh, congregants come up to him and welcome him, and the pastor comes up to him and welcomes him and talks with him. And yet the conversation concludes with the pastor telling the man that he should come back the following week, but in a nice way he tries to tell him that he should try and clean up a little uh, before coming back the next week and perhaps not be so disruptive as he, as he comes in. So a week goes by and the same man moseys into the same church around the same time, Uh, He's dressed the same, he smells even worse, the sounds are a little bit more obnoxious, and he sits in the front row, stays till the end of the service. Some of the congregants welcome him, the pastor goes up to him again, and yet this time, the man's encouraged by the congregants to go and pray to Jesus and ask Jesus how he thinks the man should show up for church the next week. And so a week goes by and the same man comes into the same church around the same time. He looks the same, he smells worse, the sounds are a little bit more obnoxious. Yet he sits, he hears the sermon, and he stays till the end of the service. Well, this week the pastor goes up to him and he's a little perturbed with this individual. And he says, well, did you go and ask Jesus how you should show up to worship uh, in this church? And the man looks at the pastor and says, yes, yes, I did ask Jesus. And the pastor said, well, what did... What did Jesus tell you? And the man said to the pastor, Jesus said to me, he didn't know how I should dress because he's never been to your church before. Brothers and sisters, sheer grace. Sheer grace. You have been the recipient of it. Never forget that grace. Never forget that grace is just a nice theory or doctrine. As much as I love how Meredith Klein defines it, it is something that is to be practiced. In our daily lives, it's to flood our churches. And I truly believe that when our churches are flooded with God's radical, redeeming grace, when people know that grace comes to enemies, uh, grace comes to sinners, grace comes to misfits, the downtrodden, the poor, the dysfunctional, the addicts, our churches will be messy, but they will be messy for good reason. They will be a beautiful mess. There will be a communion of saints embracing the gospel of Jesus Christ and seeking to live that out. So I want to encourage you in the grace of God and Christ today. His favor is upon you because of who he is and the grace and mercy that he's revealed in his son. And he longs to have his grace be known in the world, not only in word, but also in deed. Amen. Let us pray together. Gracious God, we thank you that your tender mercies and compassions have been revealed to us fully in the person and work of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for your sheer grace. We thank you, Father, that you long to uh, pour it out as you've done in your son, and you long to have us uh, experience it daily. 
in our lives. And so we do pray for new supplies of sanctifying grace uh, to be poured out among us this day. Father, that we would be attentive to all the ways that you're gracious to us uh, the rest of this day. And Father, we pray that it would uh, content us and Father, that it would also energize us to show that grace to others. Pray for my brothers and sisters here studying. I pray that you would bless them in their studies today and in their conversations. Father, in their prayers, in their communal life. Lord, I pray that you would equip them and prepare them to be ambassadors of your grace. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Copyright 2017, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.